Hi, this is Peter Nickel. We're here today talking to Larry Robinson, who's uh, Chief Technology Officer at Clear Capital, but also uh, someone who's got a tremendous amount of experience in, uh, in the world of open source technology. And we're here to talk about how companies are adopting open source technology, especially in the world of technology. So Larry, tell us a bit about yourself and tell us a bit about Clear Capital. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Uh, glad to be here with you today. Uh, well, as you already said, I'm the Chief Technology Officer at Clear Capital. So in most organizations, you know, that, that means most of the technology and responsibility for it, uh, whether you're building products or consuming uh, products from other vendors, uh, lands in my organization. And then at Clear Capital, I have a lot of the product teams that also fold up into me. And Clear Capital is a valuations company that essentially helps whether it's lenders or investors or loan servicers that all buy and trade in homes and the values of homes and mortgages. Our company helps them uh, not only set the values on those homes and make determinations on whether or not the investment is wise, but also they use our data and analytic products to constantly monitor the values of these properties as they sit in their portfolios so that uh, at any given uh, moment, they really understand their potential for liquidity, uh, liquidity and their overall uh, value of their portfolio. So, so Larry, that sounds like a business that's very heavily dependent on data and managing data at scale. Perhaps you could talk a little bit about how you're using kind of open source technologies to manage that problem at Clear Capital. And I also understand that even prior to Clear Capital, you had a pretty uh, deep background in bringing uh, pretty revolutionary open source products to market. Yeah, thanks for that, uh, that segue, Peter. Yeah, I sit in the interesting position of not only being on the side of the table of consuming open source tech, but uh, in, uh, prior to joining Clear Capital, I was the president of a company called Famous. We had a open source framework for developing mobile applications not using native code like Objective-C and Java. We had about 160,000 developers that had built over a million projects worldwide. So in addition to consuming open source, used to running a company that uh, makes major contributions to open source also. And so when you got to Clear Capital, you already had a tremendous amount of background in open source. So can you talk about why companies even want to run critical applications on open source software? Yeah, the, uh, the easy answer that, you know, the answer from 30,000 feet is, you know, technology, you know, as they say, software is eating the world. You simply cannot build an organization that has expertise in um, all of all of the technology that you need anymore. It's just not like it was 25 years ago. So you really have two choices. Well, I guess I'll say three choices. You, know, you can build it, you can buy it, getting it from other vendors, or you can go out into the open source community, see if you can meet your need there. And open source is, is an incredibly viable um, solution for many of your problems because you have a you know, worldwide development force with different companies that are all coalescing around, you know, whatever particular problem that open source movement is looking to solve. And you, you typically end up with applications that are richer, more robust, more eyes on them, more scalable, more secure. If that is not part of your portfolio for software development, you're, uh, you're missing a very, very important part of a three-legged stool. 
Well, that's a great expression. Uh, open source is, or sorry, software is eating the world. I've also heard people say that open source is eating software. Is uh, do you do you see that in your world? Well, um, so open source is software, right? So now what you're basically you're you're kind of splitting the hairs of well, who created it? You know, did our development team create this? Or was our development team aligned with a group of other developers that helped create it? So it's, um, you know, maybe a decade ago or longer, people would have thought of that as part and parcel separate from each other. But I don't, I think it's, uh, I think the development stream is, is just much more blended now than that. So is that a helpful way to describe yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if you were to compare, you know, at a high level kind of open source software to proprietary software, how would you categorize kind of the benefits and how would, you know, what are the challenges you face with, uh, with the open source option? Yeah. Well, let's start with the benefits. And I don't think they're unchanged from how open source started, you know, which a lot of people don't know, um, or at least the lore is, is that it was a printer driver, I believe for an HP printer. Um, and a bunch of engineers were frustrated at the pace at which HP was rolling out updates to this, you know, very critical printer. And um, they were able to take their work and daylight it and put it on the web and share it and say, hey, let's not be gated by the supplier's pace of, of how they can do this. Um, let's all work on this problem together so that we can move quicker and, and you know, hopefully develop a much more robust solution. It's kind of funny. Is it any different now? You know, I don't know if that was 35 or 40 years ago. My memory um, kind of fades on that. But I mean, that is still the added benefit is that, you know, you go through a vendor and you're now on their roadmap. You're now on their uh, pace of innovation. You're susceptible to the security errors um, that they make. You're susceptible to, you know, any gates in performance, you know, that they might not be willing to remove or don't know how to remove. You go into the open source world and suddenly you're able to gain control of that. And open source, you know, famously has a free beer, free speech uh, type mindset. And the first time I heard that, that was confusing to me. The open source was created around free speech that everybody can contribute and everybody can, can benefit. And there is a contingent out there that just sees it as free beer. Cool, I can just take this, thank you very much, and I'll use it. But it, it really is more of a free speech movement from the very beginning. And really, that is the best parts of it today. And as far as the challenges of it, the challenges are, you, you know, you really have to be careful what open source projects that you align yourself with because it is a community of communities, as I like to tell people. So any given open source project might have a number of companies or individual developers that are contributing to that project. And the individual developers, they kind of make up a community. And then uh, another group of companies that are contributing occasionally, they can make up another community around that open source project. And then you could have some principal companies, um, you know, like a Walmart or an Amazon or a Cisco that are the principal contributors and backers to an open source project. And that represents yet another community. And the reason this is important is, is that the very best open source projects are very democratic. Um, and there are ways to evaluate your open source projects, look at your contributors, 
look at, you know, again, if you understand this community of communities, you're going to get a good sense for how that open source project has been managed and uh, how you think you're going to be able to contribute going forward. So, Larry, that's fascinating. So, a lot, of, a lot of people listening to this podcast will be used to buying kind of proprietary software where they have one vendor and kind of one, one throat to choke and potentially a lot of leverage over that vendor. And the world of open source that you described sounds a little bit chaotic. How do you know that if you choose an open source solution, it's going to keep up with your needs going forward? Mm-hmm. So a great way to look at that, you know, is, is, as you know, when you go into these open source projects and the vast majority of them sit in GitHub, you can get a sense for, you know, everything um, around that open source project. You know, you cannot run open source projects without being highly transparent. And so good open source projects, you know, you can go in, you can see the number of active developers, you can see their commit histories. Um, you can, uh, uh, you know, obviously you can see if one company has a group of developers that are actively contributing, you can see that. But more importantly, you know, when people go to contribute to open source, um, they'll put in a pull request where they're, you know, basically offering their work to the community to review before it gets folded into the final product. And you'll see comments and conversations around these pull requests. And I always encourage people, go in and read those and watch how this community of developers, right? Communities of communities are interacting with each other. You know, do you see an us versus them as the independent developers are arguing with the dominant, you know, corporate sponsor? Uh, that will often play out in the pull requests. Good, um, you know, well-managed open source projects too, as they're considering what it is that they want to work on or do next, uh, they'll put out uh, RFCs, requests for comments, where they're trying to get the consensus of the community on what do we uh, need to be building next and how do you feel about that? And just reading the, the RFC process, even watching how people were able to nominate into the request for comment process, things that they would like to see happen. If you just go back and read that history, you can get a sense for your open source projects that are well run that are considerate and democratic, and those that um, tend to be more authoritarian. Uh, the good news is, is the ones that are authoritarian quickly melt, melt away as the community just kind of says on nuts and, and moves away from it. Um, and you guys are big contributors to open source also, Peter. So I'm sure a lot of this you know, would resonate with, you know, with Ben and others in your company as you guys seek to contribute and be very democratic also. Yeah, absolutely, and it's you know it's it's great for us to get the uh, the viewpoint of customers that live and breathe this every day, but also are trusting you know their critical applications to run on op- open source uh, software. So, what do you do for support, Larry? So, let's say you choose a key open source technology. How do you think about getting support for that technology? Let's say something goes wrong that's unexpected. Who, who do you call? Well, so this, this depends what you're using the open source for. So um, obviously Clear Capital is a customer of, of InstaCluster. And we came to you through the open source community and what it was that we saw InstaCluster could do for us. So uh, in the particular case of data layer that's managed for us through InstaCluster, you've obviously become a primary lever for us when we need support. And our developers will often work 
side by side with your developers if there's in you know any way that we can contribute you know at a low level or at a high level so the, you know this is super important you have to really pay attention to where you're putting open source in in your tech stacks you know what are the critical pieces and what are the non-critical pieces another open source project that we rely upon is Yager and Yager is a sort of end-to-end -end tracing system that allows us to see all of our architecture see all the uh, events and logs that are running through our systems, how all the pieces play together, the criticality of it, where we're seeing bottlenecks, where we're seeing failure. And, you know, Yager was, was put out into the open source community. I think it was the folks at Uber, but I'm not positive on it. Uh, but I think it was Uber that initially uh, started this project. And it, look, when we see problems in Yager and we contribute, they tend to be more like nice to haves, not criticals. And so, you know, that's different. We can, we can push back into that project. Hey, here's some great functionality we developed. We're proposing it as a candidate um, to the community. You may find this useful also. So again, I hope that helps people understand some things are critical. You're going to want to have a, a company like InstaCluster that augments and enhances and provides support around an open source project like Cassandra as your partner and looking after you and other things like Yager, also critical to our company, but we're not going to lose customers or downtime if our end-to-end -end distributed tracing system isn't doing everything that we want. So is, does it. that kind of help draw the line yeah. there, Peter? Absolutely. So for something that's like as critical as a database that you're kind of running your application on top of, you need a strong vendor in support if, if something goes wrong, correct? Without a doubt, because otherwise your engineering teams are going to ingest that open source project and now have to become experts in it, which is, you know, arguably uh, could be harder to do if you didn't actually build it yourself. Yeah. So that's a, uh, again, if it's mission critical, you're not going to want to go at your own uh, without finding a strong partner, you know, like an Insta cluster around some of your critical pieces. Sure, sure. So, Larry, you've been doing this for a long time, um, you know, at Clear Capital and, and prior to Clear Capital, you understand how open source works. You understand the, obviously, the advantages for a, for a business. You understand the pitfalls. Yeah, what would be just kind of at a high level um, for anybody listening to this? overall advice for enterprises right now considering open source? At the highest level, it's simple, Peter. I just don't see how you can be competitive without it. And, and what do I mean by competitive? I mean greatly augmenting the ability of your organization with expertise that you don't have the time to build yourself. And I think time is the critical uh, component here. I mean, we just don't live in a world where, you know, you can get to things two years from now or five years from now we live in a world that is becoming more and more connected. It's moving faster and faster. And in order for your organization to survive and be resilient, you need to be agile in, in every meaning of the word. And uh, open source provides some agility uh, to your organization so that you can respond and react. And listen, it's, a, it's also a great way to pull um, technology into your company quickly and learn from it and then learn maybe what you intend to build that's a lot like that open source. So yeah. it can be a powerful lever for getting started on things also. Yeah. 
And, so and then there's there's one last really huge benefit that I think is super important that that you just don't see on the surface of open source. So we encourage our developers as we use you know open source projects, both large and small. It is free speech. It is about giving back. And so when our developers can take their work and push it back into the open source community, it creates recognition and validation for our developers. It creates another way for them to feel significant as an engineer, part and parcel separate from the work that they do inside our company. And lastly, because that work that they're going to push back into the open source community sort of has the eyes of the world on it, they do that with a certain amount of pride to make sure that the code that they write is impeccable, um, that the documentation that they put around it that says, here's how you download it and use it, or here's why I built it, looks good because they're, you know, as I like to say, on a big stage with bright lights. And that discipline, that pride of pushing these things out for the world to see, reverbs back into your own code bases in your company as, as it actually raises the level of work inside your own organization. Uh, and people rarely talk about that, but it is a huge benefit. So that's really fascinating, Larry. I, I've learned a lot today. I mean, you talked about the pitfalls and the advantages of open source, but you made a very definitive statement, which is basically that you cannot be competitive without it. And then on top of that, uh, you talked about the fact that it's an amazing learning tool and a great way of motivating uh, the technologists within your organization. Thank you very much, Larry. Really appreciate your insights today. Peter, thanks a lot for having me. Always a pleasure talking to you and, and uh, really enjoy our relationship with your company. Thank you very much. Thank you.